Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's the Steam Room. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Yes. Great to be back with you. Man, hey, alive. Man. We, I missed you, ya. brother. I missed you, too. You got me stuck with the... Wait, you and Tim Kiley did an outstanding job with Sally Field. Listen to that whole podcast. Man, what an adorable, really good. pretty lady. Really good. I've always, I told you, I had a crush on her my whole life. Didn't meet her in person. She was awesome, too. I would have asked more questions about the Convent Santanko. The what? Don't you remember the Flying Nun? That was the first time anybody saw her, the Flying Nun. I know, but what did you just say? That's where she was based out of, the Convent Santanko. I just, that, that's for some reason, that's stuck in my brain. Wow. My whole life. I told you, Ernie, you would be great on Jeopardy. Uh, I you know. know a lot of useless stuff. Yeah, that was, uh, that was useless. Anyway, it's good to see you. Good Have, to see you. Welcome back, brother. Thanks, kid. I appreciate you. What you got here for a first of all? Well, I got to start a little deep first. You know, I want this podcast to be fun, but man, this Tyree Nichols thing. Whew. Man. I, I don't even know. That stirs so many emotions for me. Uh, number one, you know, you're mad, you're angry, you're sad. I mean, you got to be careful because you don't want to say something you regret, but you just feel sadness more than anything. I mean, obviously you're angry, but you just feel sadness because. And shock. Shock, horrified. I mean, there's so many words, and I recommend, no matter how painful, how brutal it is, you need to look at that video. You need to look at the video, because lack of humanity, um, it's all on display, and it just hurts your heart. If you got any feeling, has nothing to do with race. It has, like, if you got a heart, you can't fathom treating another human being like that. And it's supposed to be about the people who's supposed to protect. You know, you see it on the cars, protect and serve. Right. Protect and serve. And it's hard for me to imagine people treating other people like that. And we didn't get to talk about it last week. But after watching that tape, I wanted to address and just say, man, my heart aches. for, for it, Because it, this is just about humanity. Like I said, this ain't got nothing to do with, it has something to do with the police. It has something to do with race. But it, it really, to me, is about humanity, how we treat each other. Yeah, and how that, how that traffic stop Nobody turned should, no, fatal. Like, uh, no traffic stop uh, should turn fatal. And, and to hear him uh, yelling for his mom um, as he's, what, 100 yards? Yeah. 
from her house when this is going on. Um, no, it was, I don't know what uh, you can possibly say that you haven't already, that, that, yeah, that, that was folks haven't already said. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's one of those things yeah. that you can't, you can't wrap your head around. And no matter how you're looking at it, it's just wrong and sad. So I wanted to address that. And man, we just got to do better. Like you always talk about the company, be a better human. Yeah. We just got to do better, man. I mean, uh, I, I, I can't say anymore because it, it's just too emotional. But, man, we just got to do better. Uh, we just got to do better. So I'm going to lighten this thing up now because, listen, our job is to, you know, entertain people and have fun on these podcasts. I don't want it to be too deep. But did you see the 22-year-old girl playing as a 13-year-old? I'll I'll be honest. I didn't I didn't go in depth in the story. I kind of saw a headline that Come a school on, was being disciplined because a was it a coach a who coach, was playing as a a thirteen year old. And you're like, are you serious right now? And the other people let it go on. They let a twenty two year old woman play as a thirteen year old kid. And imagine that Ernest. She was better than everybody else. She was the regular. Really? Old, she was the regular old Cheryl Miller of the thirteen-year-old division. How did not? How did? Since I haven't seen <laughs> all the details of the story, how did this all come up? And who who eventually blew the whistle? I, I don't know who blew the whistle, but everybody should get fired. Everybody should get. And I, that's you know. That's is this playing for a high school team? This, or, I don't even think this. A, I don't even think this high school. Are you not 13? I don't, no, you're not. Or just like it's a junior, like uh, it's like middle school. And you say to yourself, self, who thought this? Eighth grade. And <laughs> now, if you're the 22 year old, was it was it the 22 year old's idea or was it, it, it a coach who said, it, it, hey, it, look, you could probably pass for 13. Go play. If you're 22, you got to say, stop it. You know, one of my rules on TV is I should never say, I want to never say somebody should get fired. That's always been my rule. Right. I can say somebody's not doing a good job, but I said, I will never say somebody deserves to get fired. This coach deserves to get fired. That's the first time I ever said that in 23 years. Somebody's got to get fired in this This scenario. coach deserves to not coach anymore. Anymore. Come on, man. That's Come just on. brutal. Yeah. Okay. Well, that lightened the mood. That's that lightened for sure. the mood. But I got another one. One of the best to ever do it. The best to whoever did. Just retired. One Tom of, Brady. Nope. Oh, see, I you, you just you threw it out there, and I took the hook. Louise Cobbs. Louise Cobbs just retired. She was a crossing guard. For 50 years. Wow. She just retired at the spry age of like 90. I, you know, the way I do my first of all is I run, you know, I write down things I see on television. Some of her grandparents and parents came to say goodbye because their kids and grandkids go to school where she 
where she was the crossing guard when they were when yes. they were young and not, yeah and it was I saw this story and it brought great joy to my heart. That's tremendous. And she's nine. I think she's ninety two. I want to. I want to say ninety two or ninety three. At any rate, at any rate, a long, yes. long, long, yes. long career so as a crossing Ms. guard. Miss Louise Cobbs, congratulations on a wonderful career. And I want to give a shout out to the parents and the grandparents who came to say goodbye to her on her final day. Tremendous. Now you are correct. The GOAT retired. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking to Von Miller, by the way, in our next segment. Yes. certainly got some experience playing I, I want to say this about Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He is obviously the great, in my opinion, it's just always my opinion. There's no such thing as an expert in America. Ernie likes to say people are experts. There's no such thing as an expert. In my opinion, he's the greatest football player ever and obviously one of the greatest jocks of all time because I always tell people, when you talk about Michael, Wayne Gretzky, Joker, Djokovic in tennis and Federer and Nadal. Uh, Serena Williams. Serena Williams. I'm trying to think the golden other sports. Uh, you know, Wayne is the greatest hockey player ever. Tennis is debatable. But... The reason I think Tom should be in the conversation, not just the greatest football player, the greatest jock, because, man, in football, it's always a one-and-done scenario. You know, when you got Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or, you know, those other guys, you're going to have the best player all the time. But when it's every game is one-and-done, that means you are special. This dude's been in 10 Super Bowls. Uh, you won know, he, seven of them. Won seven. Been in 10, though. Yeah. And the thing that's scary, the three he lost are all-time classic games. You know, the 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 my Eagles beating him and Eli Manning beating him twice on two of the greatest plays ever. Uh, so I just want to give a shout to Tom Brady. We're not friends. Uh, I've only I met him a few times. I mean, you're not friends. Well, I think uh, because you guys, you know, what, what, have, yeah, we have a a, a a relationship, but like we we don't hang out all the time. Yeah, and you're uh, still infatuated by just him looking at you. A, yeah, it's a pretty man. Never make eye contact with him because no. you make eye you contact turned to with stone. him. I'm like I, once he once I looked him in the eyes, I couldn't remember. It was just gibberish <laughs> after that. Uh, but he is one of the most <laughs> humble people to be who what he's accomplished and. I just want to say thank you, Tom Brady. It's been yep. an honor and a privilege to watch you do your thing and enjoy the rest of your life. Yeah, even and, if that includes TV. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tom, I, I, I think for me giving you some advice on that, once you play a sport, you're addicted to it. Like, I'm going to watch basketball. I can watch basketball all the time because I love watching these dudes. To get paid to do it is makes it even better. So I know Steve Young did a great thing talking about the two deaths. Steve Steve was great, obviously. But he talked about there's two deaths when you play sports is for a long period of time. And it does feel like a death. Steve, Steve was 100% correct. But he did say, hey, there's going to be a next chapter. You don't know what it is, but it's going to be a next chapter. But... The advice I was going to give Tom, Tom, you you love football, obviously. The next best thing to plan is watching it and getting paid to talk about it. <laughs> so, listen, 
Have a great retirement, man. It's been an honor and a privilege. Enjoy the rest of your life, brother. Well said. Yes. That's that. Is that it for first of all? That's it, or brother. Or do you have something else on that nope, little yellow it. sheet? That's it. Oh, remember. Oh, Shout I'm, out Louise Gibbs. Yeah, but have you have you jotted down what you need for next week? No. Bring, I, bring Cap some gin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cap, I'm going to get you some some Vulcan gin. Cap is under the perception I think about him when I'm not on the podcast. Cap, I love you, but I never think about you unless I'm talking to you. We'll be back with more on the steam room. Von Miller, our special guest. Oh, this is going to be awesome. The uh, active leader I, I, in sacks I got in the NFL. I apologize for fanboy over when I met him one time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make sure you do that. I did. We are back inside the steam room. Oh, yeah. Um, this is awesome right now. It really is because uh, we have the opportunity to talk to one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. Two-time, uh, two-time Super two time Bowl. Super Bowl champion, yes. eight-time Pro Bowler. Von Miller joins us, uh, and it's our distinct pleasure to have you. We only have one rule in the steam room, Von. Do not take your towel off. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate you guys. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. And I've been a fan of, of Chuck and Ernie and, you know, the things that you do on the show for a very long time, man. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. So, Von, you got a very popular podcast. The Voncast. Yes. You only interview football players? No, I mean, I, I interview anybody, but, you know, I've, I've done podcasts. I've done interviews with everybody. Just this focus of uh, this year was only was only football guys, though. Now, you're going to you're going to be on Radio Row Super Bowl week, right? So you're going to be and I know you've probably seen all that. Have you done that before? I mean, that's a zoo, isn't it? They've got all these radio stations, all these different platforms out there and just talking Super Bowl, talking to guys the entire time. You looking forward to that? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, it's uh, it's all about perception. You know, the second best thing other than winning the Super Bowl, if you're not going to play in the Super Bowl, is is going and attending the Super Bowl and all the events and the media, you know, to really, you know, get your narrative out there and talk about the things that you want to talk about. You know, it's nothing greater than going to the Super Bowl and winning it. Um, but, you know, if you're not uh, fortunate enough to do that, you know, going to the Super Bowl, being a part of that event, being a part of the spectacle is uh, is enjoyable as well, too. How's your knee? That's the most important thing. It's good. You know, um, whenever you have uh, injuries uh, like this, it's 75% uh, mental and 25% physical. You know, um, your body's going to do what it's going to do. You're, you're either going to heal fast or heal a little bit slower. But, you know, at 10 weeks, you should be here. 12 weeks, you should be here. Three months, you should be here. And that's just how it is with, with any, uh, you know, injury like this. So I think the most important thing is, is, is keeping – you know, the mental right and uh, focusing on the things that uh, that that I really enjoy. You know, I have a son that's due uh, in about five days now. This will be my second boy. Um, I play for the Buffalo Bills. We got a really good team coming back next year. And I just I just choose to, you know, focus on uh, on, on the bright side of things. You know, and that's uh, that's what recovery is all about. So this injury happened on Thanksgiving. So where are you in the rehab process? And what can you tell the folks listening just about the process of rehab? And uh, how painful is it? How tough is it to be immobilized for a while? How much are you encouraged to do? You know, they're really trying to hold me back. Um, I had surgery with Dr. Cooper here in Dallas, and he did a, he did a, a great job. I was walking and, and uh, exercising two days after surgery. And, 
you know, um, I feel really, really good. Um, I've been working out. I've been doing all the things that they, you know, they have on the slate for me to do. And, you know, you just, it's just about being consistent. It's not a one week thing. It's not a two week thing. It's not a one month thing. You know, it's, it's nine months, you know, to a year and you, and you just gotta you know, keep your head down and grind. And, you know, like I said, it's about perspectives, you know, um, you know, you could choose to be down and, and think about, you know, all I got heard on Thanksgiving and this and that, but you know, this is my 12th year in the league. Um, I got a six year deal with the Buffalo Bills. It's not going to be my last time out there. You know, I got two beautiful boys and great team and a lot of great people around me to lift me up. And, you know, I'm just taking it one day at a time. And, you know, I, I'm positive that I'll be ready to go when the season starts. You know, football and boxing are my two favorite sports because I take it, it takes tremendous courage to do either one of those sports. Like basketball, we're kind of wimps. You know, tennis, baseball, we're all kind of wimps. But to play football, I played football one day and then I realized, Damn, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you you talk about your two boys. Do you and safety obviously is a really big deal. Are you gonna encourage or discourage them from playing football? Look, I, I just want them to have passion and uh, whatever they want to do. Um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. You know what they gravitate towards. Do I think really the only thing that I'm gonna force them to do, the only thing that I'm gonna encourage them to do, is play golf. You know, I wish I would have started early, you know, playing golf. I want them to not even remember learning how to play golf. Um, but other than that, man, I just want them to have, you know, the same passion that I have for football. I want them to have that same passion in whatever they do. They can be lawyers or doctors or, you know, be on a PGA tour or, you know, podcast or, or be a teacher. Whatever they want to do, I just want them to have the same passion that I have for my craft. Do you show them a lot of videos of Charles playing golf to try to encourage them? <laughs> You know, my son, he's 18 months. So I, instead of putting on the cocoa melon and all the, the, the animation <laughs> and stuff, I'll put on like some, I'll put on like some golf highlights, a tiger and stuff. And, you know, just try to put it in his face so he can try to gravitate towards that a little bit early. Um, you, you, you never have fully, con you never have full control of, over what they do or whatever they gravitate towards to. But, um, you know, I, I try to influence this golf thing. I started playing golf in 2000. In 20, um, I played golf when I was younger. My, 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 my grandfather, he introduced me to the game, but I didn't really like pick it up and like, and um, I didn't really get the bug or fall in love with it until 2020, man. And I want them to have that same love for golf. So, you know, I just try to, I just try to put the, the videos and I got them the little kid golf clubs and the kid golf balls. And I just try to influence them in that direction. You know, Vaughn, it's so interesting you say that because Andrew Tony introduced me to golf, I think I was 26 at the time. And as much as I love basketball, because this basketball has given me every single thing in my life, I've actually got sick of playing basketball. I never get sick of playing golf. I play golf. I live in Arizona. I play golf every single off day, and I can't wait for the next day. Can you explain that golf bug? You know, it's, it's really nothing like it. I went out there in my um, – you know, my grandfather, he introduced me when I was a little kid and, you know, it's kind of tedious and, you know, you're learning something new. So I, I, didn't, I didn't really pick it up. In 2020, um, Odell, Odell Beckham had came to Denver and he was rehabbing his knee. And I asked him, like, you know, what do you want to do? And he had an off day. I was like, what do you want to do? He was like, man, I want to go play golf. And I asked him again. I was like, are you sure? Like, you want to play golf? He was like, yeah, man, I want to go play golf. <laughs> So I went and got my clubs. You know, every athlete, you know, you get free clubs and golf gear. So I went and got my, my clubs out the closet. And, you know, we went golfing and um, we started betting on, like, putts. 
<laughs> who's going to have the worst hole? And I'm like, man, this is this is fun. And then you get – and then he he got the better of me that day. And then that competitive nature that you have is like, man, I got to go practice. I went to the PGA Superstore after that. I went and got a new putter, <laughs> golf balls, gloves, outfit. I'm putting on a putting green. And you go to sleep thinking about golf. You wake up thinking about golf. You know, you, you're thinking about – um you know, chipping, keeping your weight on the front foot. And when I drive, it's just all of these little things that keep you interested in the game, man. And, you know, it's nothing like the boogers. And then you go to the PGA Superstore and you get your golf swag right. And Dude, that, you start, uh, that place. You start figuring out what clubs I'm like, PXG, do I want PXG Titleist? And then you just, it's just so many different things, man. And you just get deep down in this hole, man. And, I, you know, I enjoy being in that hole. Vaughn, Chuck and I know exactly what you're talking about. That is a dangerous place to walk into, that PGA <laughs> Superstore, because you see all that stuff. And then I know they do something to that putting green in there because you're draining 25-footers mm-hmm. picking oh, well, I'm, I'm buying this putter. <laughs> They've got to have – there's just got to be some kind of a groove on that thing. It's, oh, yeah, man, I got – this is the stroke. It's it's a dangerous place to go. You know, Yvonne know, talks about all the free shit you get when you're famous. So Kenny <laughs> came to my golf tournament one year. So Kenny, <laughs> That's a good story right here. Uh, so, Yvonne, Kenny comes to my golf tournament. Somebody gave him some golf clubs in the 80s. Kenny has never played golf. I said, yo, man, come to a golf tournament. People going to pay to play with you. Kenny comes on the range, breaks out some woods, and they're persimmon woods that he got <laughs> in, the, in the 80s. And everybody's like, yo, man, what you doing? He says, what do you mean? Kenny has persimmon woods in, tw- I think it was like 20. It's probably around 2000. And this was not like some homage to the greats of golf. This was like, yeah, somebody gave me these clubs and Back I never the used 80s. them. Yeah. Yeah, I never used them. I'm like, uh, Yo, man, you, they don't make persimmon yeah, woods like, What's anymore. that sound he keeps hearing on the range? What's the ding? What's the ping? You know, no, that's unbelievable. Hey, Vaughn, who's the best pro golfer you ever played? Well, you, you might have played with a few, but who are some of the great? You ever played with pros? You know, I, I played with DeMarcus. He, he, uh, DeMarcus where he looks like a pro to me. And I know y'all have like uh, y'all have y'all little uh, yes yes. Hey, so wait, can I count on wait? Can I count on you for Tahoe next year? Next year I'll be ready to go, one hundred percent. I've been getting ready for Tahoe since I started playing golf. That's like my, you know, golf. And then the PGA, the Senior Tour, when I turn fit, when I turn fifty, you know, so that'll give me seventeen years to get ready for the Senior Tour. And then Tahoe, those are my two like goals in my golf career i have to play i have to i have to make it in those two events hey, let me tell you something first of all you in tahoe next year if you want to be in tahoe we will we would love that and me you and demarcus gonna play that first day let's make that happen but you for sure for yeah sure. but you got to be careful about the senior tour thing because <laughs> there's a great story uh but harvey Pennick tells he, this guy's like, he's like the senior champion at his golf course somewhere, actually somewhere down in Texas, the great teacher, Harvey Pennick. Yeah. And the guy said, he's like the club champion. He says, oh, he said, Mr. Pennick, what do you think of my chances of being on the senior tour? And the guy says, well, how old are you? He says, I'm like 35. He says, well, I want you to meet Fred Couples and Ben Crenshaw. They're 35 too. You think you're going to be able to beat them in 15 years? Because <laughs> no. like, that's the thing you have to think. Guy, uh, I'm trying to think. You say you're 33? I'm 33. So that'll give me 17 years. Yeah, but you would have to go look at the PGA Tour and see who's 33, because those are guys you're yeah. gonna be playing against 
when you get to the senior tour. That's what's <laughs> funny about that. Yeah, but keep that I mean, goal. That's, that's, that's just what keep. That's just what keeps me motivated. Yeah. You know, that's what keep. You know, you got to have those goals down the road. And um, you know, I look at it. I've been, you know, I've been playing football. This is my twelfth year in the league. This is my twelfth year in the league. I played four years and um, in in college and four years in high school. So that's 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 twenty years of, of playing. You know, football and I'm these guys. They've been playing. They've been playing golf since they were like two and three years old. So. That'll just give me, you know, the 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 basics and I'll be ready to go. That's that's my goal, you know. No disrespect to any of the pros out there, but that's just one of my one of my golf, you know, career goals. Well, what's your what's your handicap? What's your handicap right now? Oh, I'm high. I'm high. I'm I'm in the high teens right now. Oh, high teens. So what clubs right. and the club and the ball, that's the biggest decision you have to make. What clubs did you decide on? I'm a PXG. Gen fours and I'm a tailor made uh, a TP five. You know, I try to play with the same ball every time I go out there because some of these balls, you know, they feel different. And you know, so I try to play with uh, tailor made uh, uh, TP five yellow every single time. Let's uh, let's swing this back to football talk and let's and let's talk about what happened in Buffalo. I mean, it got the world's attention with Demar Hamlin. I know you were hurt. You were not in Cincinnati the night it happened. Uh, were you watching as it happened, and what? And how did? How has that whole situation impacted you? Yeah, I, I was watching, and um, you know, football. You kind of get accustomed to like people getting hurt, and even serious injuries sometimes. Even you know, the ambulance coming out there and picking guys up and carting guys off. You get, you just get accustomed to that. You know, that's that's the part of our game. You know, that's the ugly side of our game. Um, so I was watching at home and it's a Monday night, uh, it's a Monday night broadcast all across the world. Everybody's watching. And, uh, first, you know, we had, uh, Teron Johnson. He had got hurt the play before. So I was like, dang, he was, he, he had a serious injury the play before. And I'm like, uh, dang, I'm like, dang, like what's wrong with him? You know, they pick him up and he goes to the sideline and then Demar gets hurt and then they go to commercial break and then they come back and he's still injured. They go to commercial break again, and then they they come back to the game, and he's still injured. I'm like, man, like this has got to be this has got to be serious because usually they just pick him up and they go off. And I, you know, I'm on the the NFLPA uh, the group chat on my phone, and I look at my phone, and they said that you know he went into cardiac arrest. And I'm like, man, like they had to give him like CPR. I'm like, man, like that's that's this is like life or death. You know, this was way before like they had announced it you know, on Monday Night Football. So immediately you start to think like, man, possibly, you know, my teammate could be in serious trouble right now. And, um, and you know, you, I'm watching the broadcast at the same time and, you know, they're talking about canceling the game. And I'm like, man, that has never happened in NFL history. They're, they're going to finish this game. And then, you know, as time went on, they, they took the players in the locker room. And, you know, I talked to some of my teammates. It's hard to watch your teammate go through the battle for his life him get carted off and you're still not sure if he's going to make it or not. So, you know, my teammates, they were dealing with that. And, you know, guys said they, they couldn't play after that. They wouldn't be able to play until they found out he was all right. And it was just a, you know, it was just a, a serious, a very, very serious situation. And, you know, I, I'm just, uh, I just feel um, honored. I just feel honored and privileged to be associated with the Buffalo Bills. You know, I, I'm, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very proud of, uh, you know, DeMar and the way he's handled the situation and, you know, the, the light that he shed on, you know, um, on so many different things. And, For sure. You know, it's just so great. It's, it feels so good when, 
great things happen to good people, man. And even before this happened to DeMar, like he was all about love. I had a talk with him and um, Dane Johnson. They both went to Pitts. They went, They both went to uh, Pitt. Um, and I was talking to them before that game. And I was like, man, you know, I really enjoy the way y'all play, man. Y'all look like first and second round picks. I didn't know that y'all was late round guys, man. And y'all come to work every day. You know, it's just like a little conversation that I have with those guys, man. And I just feel honored and privileged to be associated with the Buffalo Bills and DeMar Hamlin and, and to see the type of things that he's doing with the newfound attention that he's got, man. It's super cool. You know, we're all watching this. And then you see guys crying. And you like, that's the first time I'm like, wow, this is really scary. Cause normally the ambulance come out, the stretcher come out, they get rid of you real quick. Then the game continues to see the look on those guys face. That was one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, it was crazy, man. And, you know, see my teammates react the way they did. I knew it was something serious. Um, I knew. I knew it just wasn't like, you know, a concussion or a neck injury or a spinal injury. I knew it was, you know, I was, I knew it was more serious than that, even though those injuries are, are serious themselves. You know, I knew that this was serious, man, to see Josh react the way he did and Sharan Neal and all the tough guys that I'm around and, you know, Ed Oliver and for the camera to go to those guys and those guys react the way that they were. I knew it, it had to be serious because we all, you know, we all get accustomed to seeing, you know, guys get knocked out or, you know, a back injury or whatever those are, and you put them on the ambulance and take them off. But, you know, to see my teammates' reactions and, you know, um, to, to see the uh, to see the worry on everybody's face, man. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a serious situation, man. But, you know, the Buffalo Bills, our training staff, um, you know, Denny Kellington, um, Nate Bresky, Joe Mika, Marissa, you know, Dr. Prasant, all of those guys, the protocols that the NFL had in place to, you know, to ensure his safety. And, you know, Coach McDermott, you know, he's a great leader, you know, to be able to lead those guys, to be able to just say, man, we're not going to play this game. And we don't we don't care because we were the number one seed at the time, you know, for him to just, you know, put life over football, man. You know, I just feel honored and privileged to be associated with all those guys for sure. Hey, Vaughn, so, so Tom Brady announces his retirement for good this time. Um, from a defensive player's standpoint, tell us what it's like to line up against him and what he brought to the game that no other quarterback ever has. It's, uh, man, I, you know, every single time that I've played against Tom Brady, he I've played at a level that I wouldn't normally play at. And, you know, you go out there each and every time and you, you want to get sacks and want to make plays and you want to win the game. But when, you're no, when you know you're going against the best like, it just brings a, another level of competition out of you, man. And, you know, each and every time I went against Tom Brady, um, you know, he did that for me. And it wasn't until probably 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. I went to the Kentucky Derby. Um, Tom Brady, uh, you know, uh, uh, Julian Edelman. And they had, uh, you know, it was like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. They had all the guys out there. And, you know, I was, I was uh, we were at a, a club or whatever, and I was, sitting next to Tom and I was talking to him and it was like, bro, he's one of the guys. <laughs> Tom is like one of the guys. And, you know, usually, you know, a guy wins six, seven Super Bowls. You, as a competitor, you, you have this internal, like, man, I got to beat this guy, man. Like, I don't like this guy. He wins Super Bowls. But once you really get to know Tom Brady, like, there really is no reason not to like him. Like, he does everything right. The only reason not to like like Tom Brady is that he wins and that's not a good reason to not <laughs> like anybody so over the years over the years man I've you know built a uh, relationship with Tom Brady man and 
for the type of guy that he is on a football field, man, he's even better off the football field. And he was he was like that with me. He had he had you know no ulterior motive. Like I'm, I go against him on the football field. You know, he was super cool with me, man. And, you know, um, he gave me his number, and you know, he did my pass rush summon and did so many things that he didn't have to do. This is Tom Brady, one of the best, the best quarterback to ever play. I'm kind of biased because you know, Tom, you know, Peyton Manning. I played with Peyton Manning, and I love Peyton Manning. So when uh, you call Tom Brady to go, even though he is, I always like to, you know, throw Peyton Manning in the conversation. But, you know, Tom Brady, he's a he's an incredible guy, man, on and off the football field. As our relationship, you know, developed, man, I, I even – I start to love the guy even more, man. And, you know, he says he says he's done for good, but, you know, we just had to wait and see. Yeah, you know, first of all, Vaughn is correct, and you see that I watched Teddy Bruschi and guys. I met Tom Brady – we're casual friends. I've never met a guy that great who makes you feel special. Like, he he wants you to know, like, you know, I'm one of the guys. Yeah. And you hear Teddy Bruschi talk about it like that. You hear Vaughn talk about it. Like, the times I've been around Tom, and like, he makes you like, yeah, we're, we're on the same level. He makes you feel very, very comfortable. And I'm like, wow. I was like, I've always told friends, I mean, this dude don't even know he's Tom Brady. He treated, <laughs> he treated us like, he just like sitting here talking to me like we just two regular guys. Uh, and I'll appreciate that. So, you know, Vaughn, well, first of all, I'm an Eagles fan, first and foremost. But I got great admiration for the Buffalo Bills mafia. What is the, I mean, obviously you haven't been there that long. What's the Bill mafia really like? Man, it's, it's the passion. You know, and, and, you know, all fans have passion, but they really highlight the passion for their football team. And I think the passion was developed over time. You know, we went to four straight Super Bowls and lost. Um, they had four Hall of Famers on their team at one time. They had uh, Bruce Smith, Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, and they had Thurman Thomas. They had so many great players on one team. And, you know, the Buffalo Bills community is not that big. You know, it's a, it's a small, it's a small city, small town. You know, all they got is the, the Sabres and the Buffalo Bills. And, um, you know, everybody bleeds, you know, uh, red, white, and blue with that accent of black, man. And, you know, it's, it's you know, it snows there. It's not sunny there. You know, it's, it's all about football and, and food. It's all about football and food. The food's great there, man. And, and I think that's that's what fused the Buffalo Bills, man. We still play at Hallmark Stadium. We got a new We got a new stadium on the way, but, you know, the tradition and the games that we won there, man, the fans, they still feed off of that, man. And it's all about passion. It doesn't matter if it's hot outside, cold outside. Like, Bill's Mafia is going to show up and they're going to give you everything that you got. So if you're, if you're a player, if you're a coach and you're standing in front of that, man, it just it just motivates you to be the best that you possibly can be. Eagles, Chiefs, who you got? <sighs> I got the Eagles, man. Um, you know, I, I love the, the Chiefs. Um, you know, the AFC – they, you know, the AFC team, you know, I've faced the Chiefs, lost to the Chiefs 10 years straight. You know, it's hard for me to root for the Chiefs. Probably a little bit of hate in there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, the Eagles have a very, very, uh, really good team. And, you know, the Chiefs have a really good team, too. Best quarterback in the league. If he's not if he's not number one, he's number two. If he's not two, he's number three. And we all know that those guys rotate weekly. But um, I think that offensive line of the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles – is uh, something to be dealt with. Lane Johnson is playing out of his mind right now. Um, defense is solid. Jalen Hurts is solid. Uh, they got Darius Slay. They got players all over the place. Um, the way that they built up that team, man, it's, 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 uh, it's remarkable to see. And, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, the Eagles will be able to do it. 
Now, the, 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 the Chiefs have been in this situation before. You know, they played the 49ers. The 49ers supposed to win that game. 49ers had a great offensive line, defense, all the things that you say. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does. So um, it'll be a game. It'll, it'll be a game to see, man. You can't ever count out Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey or, you know, Frank Clark or Chris Jones or any of those guys, man. But, you know, me, I just I can't root for the AFC guys. I got to I got to go with the NFC. You know, I got to go with the Eagles. What is it from your experience, though, as a Super Bowl champion twice that tells you that on that day you're going to have the trophy? Um, for, for me, um, both times I played in a Super Bowl, each game, those games, I, I wasn't nervous at all. You know, usually you have a little bit of, uh, you know, emotions or a little bit of nerves, not um, a feeling of I'm not ready to go. It's just I want to go out here and I want to do something crazy. I want to I want to break a record. I want to perform to a level that I've never performed before. And that's how I go into each and every game. But the Super Bowl, I just knew it. I just I just felt it. I just knew it. And maybe it's the two weeks that's that's leading up to that game. Uh, maybe it's you know that it's not a another game after that. Maybe you know that this is the biggest game that you possibly will ever play in. And you know it's hard to be it's hard to be nervous in those situations for me. And um, when I woke up that morning, I just I just knew that it didn't matter who I lined up against that I was going to be able to be successful. Um, you know, I'm a big I like to always I like to visualize me having success. I like to um, have positive self-talk and, um, you know, playing in the Super Bowl. Those are two things that you need to be successful in the Super Bowl. Um, so those two games, man, I, I wasn't nervous at all. All the coverage that they have for two weeks straight talking about this team, talking about that team. And when we played the Carolina Panthers, you know, the Panthers were the favorites. And they kind of they fueled me. It kind of fueled me to like, hey, you know, I can't let, you know, the Carolina Panthers go out here and do this. You know, it kind of fueled me to go out there and play to another level. Um, last year with the, with the Rams, you know, and another thing that whenever you're playing for somebody else, whenever you're playing for other people, um, I think that brings out, I, I think that brings out a little bit more as well. Last year, we were playing for Aaron Donald. I wanted to get him his first Super Bowl. That's really the only thing that he was missing on his resume. It's been defensive player of the year, all these other things. And, you know, I, I really wanted to get him a Super Bowl, get Sean McVay a Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford. Um, I wanted to be, like, the, the Super Bowl whisperer for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> so whenever you're, like, whenever you're, like, doing things for other people, it kind of brings out the most. And, you know, those two days, man, it's not like basketball. Basketball, you get seven games to get it done. Seven games to settle it out, you know. You could be you could be the lesser team, but on that day you win like it's over and got to get ready for next year. So it's um it's it's amazing to be able to participate in the Super Bowl, and we'll definitely be back with the Buffalo Bills for sure. Well, number one, Ernie took my question. I was going to ask you about like sorry about that, Chuckster. No, you know our uh, minds are so. Yeah. I think it just speaks to yeah. how cerebral we both are. Yeah, that's true. You know, because what I was going to ask him about. So for me personally. Uh, I had never made it to the finals and we got to the finals and my team was so nervous for game one. We never recovered. Uh, so I, I was like, so what's the difference, the atmosphere between the Super Bowl and the regular season uh, and a real playoff game, like the, even the AFC championship, like I had been in big games before, but my team was so tight for game one against the finals, against the Bulls. We never were able to cut recover. We actually lost game one, and game two we played better, but we never were able to recover because we were so nervous for game one. I was going to ask you, you had already won the Super Bowl. 
What what advice did you give the Rams going into the Super Bowl? As the as the whisperer. Yes. So my my motto to the guys is don't blink. It's it's okay to be nervous. You know, it's it's okay to be nervous, but afraid? No, we, we we're not going to be afraid. You know, eyes wide. Um, trust the preparation, and we just, we're going to go out here and play. Um, and I feel like that's what separates good teams from other good teams. It's not, you know, everybody, when you get to the, the NFC Championship, AFC Championship, divisional games, whenever you get to those games, those teams are good. Those teams have quarterbacks. Those teams have defenses. Those teams have special players. I feel like what separates good teams from other good, team, good teams is the mindset. And um, that's what I really preached to uh, the Los Angeles Rams last year was really the mindset. You know, they had already been there before and they lost to Tom Brady and, and the Patriots. And I think that was 2017, 16 or 17. So they were, they were still hungry. But, um, you know, I, I just, you know, my, my thing was really the, um, the mindset part of it. So I always talk about mindset. And I would talk to guys and, and talk to guys about visualization and, and positive self-talk to help them tap into that, that, that mind space that we need to be to win a Super Bowl. Last thing before we let you go, Chuckster, are you are you a big egg egg eater? You no. like eggs? You don't like eggs? I don't dislike them. Yeah, because uh, you know we've seen a lot of news reports about egg shortage. Seen those on the news. Here we have a Texas A and M Aggie, a chicken farmer, right? So if <laughs> if if we are really desperate, Vaughn, can we reach out to you for a dozen eggs or one of those cartons of eighteen XLs? Yeah, I, I get you guys right, man. You know, chickens, eggs, you know, or whatever it takes, poultry. You know, I get you guys right. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> hey, man, number one, it's an honor. You know, we've actually met before, and I hope I didn't fanboy when I met you the first time. I was like, we were in uh, in L.A. Uh, uh, at a bowl game, and he came in the room, and I ran over to him like a fanboy, and I said, hey, man, it's just an honor and a privilege, blah, 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 and – it was it's, it was an honor to meet you then, and obviously you've had so much more success, man. Keep doing your thing and get well soon. Yeah, was that annoying for you, hey Chuck? <laughs> hey Chuck, man, I, I appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate you guys. You know the crazy thing is, my very first basketball game, I had to be um, at least six or seven. I went to see uh, the Dallas Mavericks uh, play uh, the Suns, and you were like the the star player on the team, and like my dad was my Charles Barkley. So I've been a fan of you my whole entire life. I had, wow. Even then, this was my first time I wrote like a note. You know how you had a fans, I, I did like a sign, like, I forgot what I said, but it was like <laughs> Charles Barkley, something, 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 and I had like wrote you like a note just in case, like I had saw you. You know how like kids get, like you just, you live in a whole different world, but just in case, I had wrote like a note that way I can hand it to you. You know, I didn't, we didn't get a chance to do it back then, but I've been a fan of you for a very long time, and it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be on the show with you and Ernie, man. I appreciate you guys. Wait, Will, man, thank you for the kind words. And Vaughn, let, did he, did he hey, big time you? Did he walk right past you? Did you see this, this little six, <laughs> seven-year-old no, kid with a, a note? You know, we, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get a chance to see, you know, the players or be around the players. You know, as a little kid, you're not sure what to expect and exactly. you know, all this stuff. But, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to, you know, to see Chuck. But, you know, I, even coming on this podcast, I was like, man, like, I used to be, like, Still, I, I was like, man, Chuck was the very first athlete that I really idolized from an early age, man. And that, that all started from me going to a Dallas Mavericks game. So I appreciate you guys for having me on the show for sure. Hey, listen, thank you for the kindness. And let me show Hey, can I get on the Von cast, brother? Man, for sure, man. I had a guy, we said, I tell you, we can go play, we can go play golf in Arizona, man. Whenever you get a free day, I'm going to be out there all next week, too. So 
Hopefully we can link up. We get all this stuff. Hey, man, out. first Shoot. of all, I cannot wait. Hey, get Odell to come out to Tahoe too, man. It's the best week ever. It's You will have so – you're going to love all the guys. We would love to have you. Because me and DeMarcus have our little battle every year. <laughs> DeMarcus is, is really streaky good, though. Like, I had the mistake before – before I get off, I know it's time for me to go, but I had the I had I made the mistake of playing DeMarcus at Cowboys Golf Course here in Dallas. And I should have known, like, DeMarcus were at Dallas Cowboys Golf Club, and this guy went nuts. I think he had – I'm not even lying to you. I think he had about six putts for Eagle. You know, he didn't hit them all. He didn't hit them all, but he had about six putts for Eagle that day. And we were betting – you know, me and DeMarcus, we, we were about the same skill level, so we we're betting and stuff, and I absolutely got fleeced that day. So, you know, I'm looking for I'm looking for payback with DeMarcus, man, and it would be an honor privilege to play with both of you guys. Man. Hey, let's set it Thank up. Thank you guys. Tahoe, come on, Tahoe, brother. I got you. I, 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 we get it done. <laughs> Von Miller, thank you so much for joining us, man. Have fun at the Super right, Bowl. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, yeah, brother. The Voncast uh, <laughs> on the BR app, live from uh, the Super Bowl next week. I can't believe you would just walk past him. Here he is. He's got I a see, note I, for I, the see, Chuckster, I, I, his I, hero, <laughs> and you just blew him off. He was six at man. the time. Stop it, Ernie. Six or seven. <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. I noticed something that TK said um, on the previous podcast. You do. You sit there and listen to that, and you close your eyes as if you are really enjoying that whole vibe. I, am. I like, yeah. you know, I tell you, that's what they call me. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm I stop. I know. Okay. Old brown eyes. Old brown eyes. I care about that. You know, things, things went smooth without you. They always do. Um, <laughs> so we have a bunch of calls, apparently, oh, yeah. from Cap oh, I like uh, on it. the uh, Charles Answering Machine, 404-987-0330. And without any further ado, roll it. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hi, guys. Uh, Alfonso here from the Philippines. A very loyal steamer. I used to listen uh, to you guys when my dad was had cancer and was getting treatment until he passed away last Valentine's. Questions for Chuck. I'm also a golfer, and I wanted to ask if Chuck, ever cheated, nudged a ball for a better lie, or dropped and pretended that his ball was safe when he is playing golf. <laughs> hey, okay. A chance to come clean right uh, here, man. Uh, first of all, you can go uh, through your whole one, career. Sorry, sorry about the loss of your father, uh, first and foremost. Thank you in the Philippines uh, for being a loyal steamer. I think that golf... Are you going to answer the question? I'm going to. Golf is probably that one sport like, nobody in the NBA would say, yeah, that was a foul. Like, mm -hmm. no, hell no, I didn't foul him. Hell no, I didn't foul him. Uh, no, I guarantee you there's no offensive lineman in the NFL says, you know, I kind of held him a little bit. <laughs> you can't cheat at golf. It, it, it's, it, you cannot cheat at golf for the simple reason. You got to understand something. Guys are not following you into the woods to see what kind of lie you got. Or if you you found your ball, golf to me, or, yeah, actually was yes, your ball, yes. So golf to me, it's the ultimate game of honor. So to answer your question, you can't cheat at golf. Period. 
he didn't ask if you can cheat at golf. He's asked, have you ever cheated at golf? No. Good. No. So you've never like hit a ball into a tree uh, as we saw last weekend and said, oh, no, I I know. I know it's even though it wasn't going toward that tree, that's my ball. (laughs) So you haven't done that. Yes. But you have hit a lot of trees. I have hit a lot of trees. Yeah. Next goal. Who put trees on a golf course anyway? Hey, Ernie and Chuck, I'm a first-time caller but loyal steamer. My name's Michael Gow, and I'm a middle school teacher in Massachusetts, but I'm one of the founders of Rhode Island's only bird club, the Ocean State Bird Club. Ernie, anytime you're visiting our little state, I invite you to email our club. We would love to show you around some of our favorite birding locations. Also, you have to check out my friend's radio show and podcast called Ray Brown's Talking Birds. I think you and your wife would love it. Chuck, hey, I know you're not a birder. I know you're not a bird watcher, but please know that there's a strong contingency of black birders and photographers in this country. Check out Black Birders Week, where black birders from around the country come together to celebrate their common interests in birds. That's it for now, guys. Thanks. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks for the encouragement. Thanks for backing me up because a few weeks ago, Chuck was astounded that I bought bird seed for the bird feeders I have around the house. Yeah, I'm still astounded. Well, you shouldn't be because everybody in here was like, yeah, we buy bird seed. uh, Come on, they're fun to watch. Birds uh, are fun to watch. What's the nerd's name again that who just called in? Michael. Michael, listen, first of all, you're a nerd. No, you're not. Uh, you're, you're a good you're, dude, hey, Michael. Michael, you're a nerd. And thanks for what, being what, what a middle the, school teacher also. Uh, no, no, thank you for being a teacher. Now, yeah. you know how I feel about yeah, teachers. Exactly. Hey, and I'm sure he wouldn't He uh, wouldn't Michael, be fine with having a 22-year-old playing on an eighth-grade team either. <laughs> hey, Michael, thank you for being a teacher. I admire and respect teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for being a teacher. That being said, if you're going out here, what's that, what's that website he wanted us to plug? Ray, Ray Brown something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, a bunch of nerds. That's what they are. Thank you for being a teacher, but a bunch of nerds. A bunch of people who appreciate. You can, I can see uh, if I see a good looking bird. To watch. If I see a good looking bird flying by, I'll say, "Hey, that's a pretty bird." <laughs> I ain't gonna take out a camera and start taking pictures. Well, you're missing. I, you're missing out. I, you're missing out. Next call. <laughs> hey, Charles. This is Brandy. First of all, I'll say that I have been a fan for a really long time. I have no idea uh, what teams you have played for over the years, but that's okay. You are a name that I know. Anyway, I wanted to comment on um, your comment about feeding birds. It is not a white thing to feed birds. It's just a nice thing to do. And I find it quite attractive, actually. Maybe you should start feeding some birds as well. Anyway, um, you can call me back if you would like to. Love you, honey. Bye. Thank you, Brandy. Look at, okay. look at, okay. see, okay. you say something, and okay. then folks out there saying, what do you mean? You don't Y'all like birds? Y'all found the one black lady in America that oh, feeds birds. Oh, come on. No, come Y'all on, found, out, out of how many millions of people in the world, y'all found the one black person who feeds birds? Brandy, <laughs> number one, thank you for the kind words. Uh, uh, but, Ernie. What? They're fascinating. Things never said before by Charles Barkley. Like, I've said a lot of crazy shit in my entire life. Yeah. I've never walked in the store and said, hey, where y'all keep the bird food? It's bird seed. Bird seed. Okay. <laughs> see? see? <laughs> you have How about to- people who have birds in their house? Like a canary or a, a parakeet. How, how about that? Those called pets. Yeah. So what's what's the difference? What's the difference? You like birds. Yeah, I'm between a pet. Well, what are you going to go walk the canary? No, they they sit in the corner. Okay, 
So here's the deal. So at the same time, you say, man, I really like birds and I like a variety of birds. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. And you see all yeah, these different can, kinds. I don't mind seeing them flying awesome. around, yeah. but I ain't yeah. going to stop to feed them and stuff. And well, listen, You don't have to actually and, feed and, and, them. And you put it in the feeder. They fly by. You're at the window and say, oh, it's not a pretty bird. You know, why, won't they say, hey, take a picture hey, of that well, bird. Well, how about they or say? Or you get a bird buddy like yeah. I have that feeder called the bird buddy. And when the, when the birds land, it takes pictures of them. Well, why can't? You know what the bird's really thinking? Can I land at somebody's house who got some real money? They can put like some real food in here instead of this shitty bird feed stuff. That's, That's what, what like. if I was a bird, I'd be saying that. Yeah. Hey, can they put some like some chicken or something in here? I don't want to eat bird <laughs> food all the time. Gee, I could really stand a burger. Said that, the That's exactly right. Yeah. Get okay. me a McDonald's burger. Get me. Get, can I get some fries? I don't want just bird feed all the time. That's what birds are really thinking. <laughs> Next call. Hi, Uncle Charles. This is April from Georgia. Hey. I saw, just saw the interview with you and Ernie and Candace and Kirby Smart. Go dogs. My question to you, Uncle Chuck, is what have you been doing to lose some weight? You definitely have been looking slimmer. You're looking good. You're looking crisp. So do share with us for 2023, what are you doing to lose weight? And also, I like your eyebrows. They're on fleek. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you uh, so much for, for that call, April. I can uh, tell you what he's doing. He's eating bird seed. That's, that's right. what he's dropped well, a lot of weight. Uh, number one, thank you. I am on a real strict regimen to lose weight. Uh, what is it? She wanted details. What have you been doing to lose weight? I'd pr- rather not say right now because I don't want to get criticism. What are you doing, man? Is this unethical? It's not unethical. Really, it's making me uncomfortable talking about it. Next yeah. call. <laughs> hey, Chuck and Ernie. This is Jacob from central Wisconsin, Wild Rose, to be exact. When this next uh, episode airs, my wife and I will be road tripping down to Nashville yeah. to move my sister in. She's moving down there. Just curious, what's the longest road trip either of you have been on? And or maybe what's the, what's the best road trip you've ever been on? Uh, huge fan of the show, loyal steamer. Uh, keep your towels on. Thanks. Thanks, Jacob. Road trip. I, while you think, I'll tell you this. And this is a true story. Nine eleven. I was in Australia. Ooh. And we were flying back after the Goodwill Games. Landed in Los Angeles on the morning of nine eleven. After everything had happened, and so they. We land yeah. at LAX. They close everything down. They said the airport's closed. And so Steve Fiorello and Michael Winslow uh, from our crew, uh, three of us rented a van and drove from LA to Atlanta nonstop, 36 hours. That had to, get to be home. the worst road trip in the history of civilization. You know, well, given the circumstances in the country, yeah, I understand it was that, like but, really, it was a surreal kind of a deal. But yeah, we just, every three hours we switched drivers, bang. We never, we stopped for food a couple of times, stopped for gas a couple of times, boom, 36 hours we were back in Atlanta. Worst road trip ever. I haven't taken many road trips in my life, to be honest with you, but I have been thinking about something. You know, they've been trying to get me to write another book. Who has? Uh, the public. Certainly not the American public. <laughs> All my books have been I, very I, successful. I'm, I'm, well, okay. I'm messing Shout with you. Shout out to the great Mike you, Wilbon. You and Wilbon going to collaborate uh, again? Not not, not really. Well, Wilbon's my big brother. I love. Shout out to Mike Wilbon. I love you, boy. So we have written three books together, 
and we have been very successful. They've been trying to get me to write one. And I'm like, no, my books are very personal to me. They mean a great deal. But I have this idea if I ever decided to, if I ever want to do it. How about me and some of my friends? And I might bring you in on this, Ernie, too. Are you including me as one of your friends, I Yes, hope? yes. But you and your friends and you. No, no, no. Like, it's going to be different friends around the country. Yeah. Getting a minivan. No, no. Uh, uh, wait, not a minivan. Uh, like, like a big old thing. Big one old of those thing. cruisers. One, one of, of yeah, those. cruisers. And go and play the best golf course in every state. That like, would be a, that would be an interesting like, and, and very fun venture. Yes, I want to play the best golf course in every state. Yeah, like stay in a city for like might probably do two a day. Play play two courses a day. Two courses a day. I thought you wanted to go to the best one in every state. I do. So you're gonna you're gonna go to two states in one day to play golf. I can drive from Georgia to Alabama, dude. And play and play eighteen holes of golf in each of those. I could start in the morning, play eighteen <laughs> yeah, holes. I, th- I think I think it's a little ambitious to say you're well, going to okay, play. Okay, I could play. Let's say okay. one one a day. One a day. That would be really cool. Yeah, because that might be better. Because I would like to have a meal in that state. But I, that's the only <laughs> what thing. What a stunner that is. No, that. <laughs> see, see, see. Okay, here's our final, our final, and it has a, a video element. Whoa, I'm, I'm a video told, yeah. element. Hey, Chuck, this is uh, Sergeant Matthew Knoll. I was actually calling. I don't have a question. I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, about six years ago, I got to come home and surprise my family at a uh, Boston Celtics game, and you guys actually televised and talked about it after. They have played 24 minutes in Boston, and the highlight of the first half was this. Staff Sergeant Matthew Knoll of the Air National Guard surprising his family That's awesome. at TD Garden. Well, that is awesome. That is awesome. Look at mom. Just awesome. And uh, growing up, you were one of my favorite basketball players and one of the first basketball jerseys I ever had. So the fact that you were able to, you know, give me a shout out, my family, um, has really meant a lot. And these last six years, I've been trying to find a way to say thank you. And I finally got a shot. So. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Ernie, Kenny, Shaq. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to show me and my family some love. I uh, really appreciate it, and it's meant a lot. Thank you, guys. Wow. That's tremendous. Matthew, it's our pleasure. Oof. And I, I re, as I look at that clip, I remember that. It oh. was like, no, no matter what happens in a basketball yeah. game, a moment like that oh, that captures this the raw emotion. I'm getting emotional just moment. thinking about just, it. Like, I love all of those. You know, shout out to all the anybody who's been in the service. You know, one of the great travesties of our country is how we treat our vets. We need to do better how we treat our vets. And especially, you know, because we play stupid basketball. We we not that important or significant. But shout out to you, man. Thank you for your service. That is pure joy right there. And that makes it, man, that, that, that's, that, thank you. What a perfect way to end yeah. the show. Wait, can I, can I, I, you know what? I need to say something before we end the show. Uh, last weekend, uh, I went up to West Virginia. West Virginia yeah. for Bob Huggins. <laughs> right. Man, I want to thank the people of West Virginia for being so awesome. You know, Bob's mom passed away from cancer. So he does a big fundraiser every year. 
and I was the special guest. Uh, it was 2,600 people there, raised over $2 million. Nice. In one night. And I just want to thank Bob Huggins, who's a great friend, the people of West Virginia for opening their hearts and their wallets. Uh, man, thank you guys for the hospitality. I had a wonderful time. You know, Auburn, and then I stayed and went to the Auburn game the next day. Uh, heck of a game. West Virginia outplayed us, but we played pretty good in the second half, awful first half. But I just want to thank the people of West Virginia, man. And, you know, Bob's goal is to build a cancer hospital uh, to honor his mom. And, you know, that, that West Virginia fan base is amazing. And there's no doubt in my mind he's going to get it done. See, two great ways to end the yes. show right there. So thank you, Matthew, man. Thanks to Matthew. Oh, man. And, and good on you. And, think about uh, that, man. He, and good on uh, Six years he's been waiting to say thank you. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, great? Yeah. Huggy Bear is the best. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. All you loyal steamers out there. It's been our pleasure. Uh, back next week. Yes. Uh, which will be a few days before uh, the Super Bowl. E-A-G-L-E-S. Are you Eagles. going to are you going to the Super Bowl or are you doing your Vegas thing Come again? Come on, man. You know I'm going to Vegas. Yeah. You know I'm going to Vegas. 26 straight years going to Vegas. Got the same 10, 12 guys. Mm. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> See Come you on. next week. Come on, Ernie. Go to Super Bowl with the boys. <laughs>